When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ready to go for some pro wrestling punditry because that is what we are dishing out straight into your ear holes today. It is me, your host, the managing editor of WrestlingInc.com, Nick Hausman, joined here as I am just about every Tuesday by my good friend, Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to the Winkley. Man, teed up, teed off, ready to go. Let's do this thing. Yeah. It is, it's nasty here in North Carolina, so I need this podcast in my life right now because it's like rain for 48 hours straight here. Well, buddy, we're going to pull you out of the rain. We're going to we're gonna bring you into the light, so uh, our, our good friend Ali would say here today. We're going to bring you into the light. We're going to shine some light on that. We're going we're gonna to make you feel good. we got a lot of big news to talk about here today. Uh, before we get to the news, uh, I did want to start the show off by sending our condolences uh, to Byron Saxton, who uh, over the weekend uh, tragically lost his father. So we're thinking about you, Byron. Uh, very sorry to hear about that. Um, also here on the show today, after the news, you're going to get a big special interview here today. Uh, we are starting off the week hot. I sat down and chatted with Kia Stevens, a.k.a. Awesome Kong. We talk all about Glow Season 3. We talk about our recent return to pro wrestling for AEW. It's just a, it's a, it's a slobber knocker today. It's a, it's a wing-ding-dong-dandy we got today for the Winkley. It's fantastic. I do want to, again, send my condolences as well to Byron Saxon and his family. That is a tough loss. If you've ever met Byron, Byron is one of the nicest people in the entire world, so I hate to hear it for him. But yeah, awesome Kong interview, man. This, this is fantastic here. She was one of those people that, you know, she had her moment, I felt like a decade ago or so, and it seems like she's kind of going to just fade away from pro wrestling for a while, but she's got a lot going on right now. So this is awesome. Looking forward to hearing this interview. Yeah, this is a good one, guys. I think you're going to like it quite a bit. And uh, tomorrow, uh, actually, you know, and I usually do my plugs at the end and I'll plug it again, but it's going to be a glow week here because we got awesome Kong today. And then tomorrow we're going to have the fight coordinator, Chavo Guerrero, on to talk about glow season three as well. So if you were like kind of excited about glow season three, you're going to be like really excited about glow season three by the end of the week here on the Winkley. Uh, and with that, Michael, let's get to it here. News you can use, news that'll leave a bruise. Last night was the Raw reunion, uh, and a lot of news coming out of the Raw reunion last night. We'll start off here by saying that uh, Wrestling Observer at 4W Online reporting there were apparently a ton of headaches leading into the show. Uh, WWE had to rewrite more than one segment for last night's show because the talents that were involved were flagged by WWE Medical, <laughs> keeping them from doing anything physical. I am flabbergasted, shocked. <laughs> To hear such a such a report coming out of Raw. I guess that explains why there are so many let's go stand down at ringside and not really do much moments last night in the in the episode. Yeah, man. No kidding. I was wondering why there was such a disparity there between the, some of the Legends Hall of Famers and, and the in-ring stuff. Uh, but there you go. Uh, I guess there was a lot of talent that was not cleared to be uh, competitive in the ring. Well, there were a couple... This is, this is, you know, it does tell me that WWE is doing its due process with its... Say what you will about its wellness policy. If they are preventing legends from getting in the ring, they're doing their due process here, and I do appreciate that. Just, that's a bizarre story. <laughs> it's really weird. Well, good. I'm glad you're right. WWE Medical doing their job. No, Hulk Hogan, you can't leg drop. You won't be able to walk again. No, <laughs> Rikishi, you can't give that man the stink face. Uh, actually, I don't know what stopped him from giving anyone the stink face. So, you know, I, who knows Who knows what happened here? Um, we do know there were a couple names that were not on the show last night. The Observer reporting Bully Ray uh, was offered the chance to uh, reunite the Dudley boys with Devon. He apparently turned that offer down as he is currently working with Ring of Honor. Uh, also, the Observer reporting Bret Hart turned down a return to Raw reunion, uh, recently appearing at AEW's Double or Nothing. And uh, where was Psycho Sid? The man I was most excited to see on Raw Reunion last night, well, the Observer also reporting Sid was pulled from Raw several days ago and not included in any of the promotional materials. Um, I, You know what? 
in the back of my head, I can't help but think that Psycho Sid had a softball game that, that kept him from appearing <laughs> at the Raw reunion. Uh, he was, was he the umpire? He's just going to go out there and yell at the kids. Is that what's going to happen here? No. So Who this knows? is, uh, you, you know, this explains the Devon appearance. I thought that was super strange coming out with the revival. Right? I, I mean, I get it. Tag team legend, but he just feels not, not, no disrespect. Devon, great talent, had a run, you know, a few runs as a singles wrestler. But WWE fans know them as, you know, Team 3D or the Dudley Boys. And so for him to appear without Bully Ray, and it just felt weird. It felt very um, weird. I, you know. Yeah. I didn't get the period with the revival at all. I was like, is he a bad guy? I don't know. <laughs> like, Devon secretly all this time been hoping for just an old-fashioned tag team wrestling. He, his whole table gimmick was just a show, right? He's like, finally, real wrestlers in this world. Uh, and then Brett, you know, uh, I guess it's like I'm not shocked that Brett turned it down, but um, you know, I, I, you know, I guess I am a little shocked. I know he really, you know, of course he loves uh, his niece Natalia. Uh, he's always seemingly gone out of his way to give her the rub when he could. I, uh, I'm, I'm interested to find. I would be interested to ask Brett why he didn't go to this Raw reunion and if he is going to be doing more with AEW. I guess is the nice way to say it. Yeah, you can't help but draw the correlation there, right? With him kind of debuting the championship a couple of months back for AEW here, and then now saying, I'm not going to show up. It feels very similar to me to what happened with Jim Ross. Guys that have been in the fold in recent years, but also historically have some beef with the company for very valid reasons. So I kind of lump Bret Hart in the same category as Jim Ross here, which is would love to have had him there. A little surprised they didn't want to make the appearance, but also not entirely surprised due to their relationship with AEW. I also, and I'm just, this is purely speculation, just punditry on my part. Um, but I do look at the success that the, the New Heart Foundation is having, Davey, Teddy, Brian, in MLW right now. Uh, I have no idea what their MLW contracts are like, but there is there's certainly been talents that have either appeared on MLW and AEW or have just straight up left MLW for AEW. Um if Davey's free and clear of New Japan Pro Wrestling and is really looking to make his next mark, you know, obviously, again, I know with MLW, the, the Hart Foundation is a big draw for them. I do wonder if it's just a matter of time before Brett gives these, uh, gives these kids, these, uh, these adult men uh, who have revived the Hart Foundation, uh, a little bit of a rub. You know what I mean? For sure, for sure. And you, you wonder kind of where they're going to end up too, because to me, that's going to be a key indicator of where kind of Brett Hart is when all this. So... I, I think they've done great work. I think the interesting thing, like you pointed out earlier, though, is Natalia, because she is WWE through and through, right? We could talk about the new Heart Foundation maybe ending up in AEW, but Natalia is such a great promotional machine for that company, and her heart seem, really seems like it's there, and especially what they did for her dad, Jim, the Anvil Neidhart. So uh, all of this is very, very fascinating to me, talking about where all these talents could end up in, in coming years. Maybe Brett was just like, no, I'm not coming. Do you know how bad your security is? <laughs> He does sometimes. You know what? I I would not hold that against him. And sometimes it just feels like Bret Hart just kind of wants to do what he wants to do. You know what I mean? Just a little bit of that that uncle. Like, well, there's Uncle Bret again. <laughs> you know? Yes, I know very. I know firsthand how Bret will just do whatever Bret wants to do. So who knows? Could be could be anything. Uh, I'll stop speculating here. We do know we saw the return of John Cena back on Monday Night Raw. He did this brief rap battle with the Usos to start the show, where they made light of Jimmy Uso's recent arrest. Love it. Did you Love like it? it? Uh, I did. They, even the, the Usos, you could tell, were into it because they I were, guess. when that moment happened, they were grinning, they were smiling, they were having fun with it. And I always love these little bitty, uh, the rap battles mean a lot more when they have some element of edge to them, some kind of sharp point that is, is really directed at the talent. So I thought it was a good moment for Cena and for the Usos. Uh, I, I will, I didn't write it in the run sheet here. I was, I was trying to pick out all the pieces here. But then, of course, at the end, we've got uh, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Stone Cold Steve Austin. What did you think of the big sign-off that uh, that Steve gave to everybody there with the, the Steve Weisers? You know, the, the Steve Austin thing was pretty good. You could tell Austin was a little bit nervous going out there. He even called it out on, on screen where he said, you know, Coachman kind of had to tell him just be himself and go out there and do his thing. But I think he came across both very authentic for Austin, a very, you know, an Austin that was very humble to still be recognized in this way. But also it was the classic Stone Cold Steve Austin, give me a hell yeah, you know, we're going to drink some beers out here, make a party. And honestly, listen, guys, make arguments, say what you will. Is Ric Flair the greatest of all time? Does Hulk Hogan own a lot of that for his run in the 80s? Yada, yada, yada. 
when it comes to Monday Night Raw and the success of that show, you have to point it back to the Attitude Era, and I think more so than anybody else, the Vince McMahon-Stone Cold Steve Austin rivalry, and I think Austin really should be, at this point, I mean, John Cena, he had a great career, don't get me wrong, but Steve Austin will forever and always, I think, be kind of that historic face of Monday Night Raw. I liked it a lot. I thought, you know, look, hard not to get lost in a st- uh, Steve Austin, uh, you know, beer, bre- beer bash, whatever you want to call it there. But it was about 10 minutes after the show was over that I sat there and I thought to myself, that felt like the finish of something. It felt like a, the, <laughs> and it felt like it felt like a chapter being closed. Right. Yeah. And like I put I closed the book and I put it on my nightstand. And it's not like I put a, a, a placeholder there like oh, I'm going to pick the book up tomorrow and start up again. It felt like the end of a book. Right. But it's the Avengers Endgame moment for Monday Night Raw, right? You have all of the heroes, Hulk Hogan, Stone yeah. Cold Steve Austin, all of these Triple H rejoining forces in front of all of their fans for one final send-off. So what was the hook to bring you back next week, I wonder? Like, if you loved tonight and you were like, man, that was great, are you more likely to check out the new product next week? Or are you like, I'll wait for the next time they do this and, and come back then? You know, it's interesting because I was thinking a lot about this. What is this moment? And what is this? Because I, I don't know. We haven't had ratings yet come out, but I'm sure the ratings going to be very high. And I think WWE did deliver on the promise of this show. We're going to have your fan favorites come back. They're going to come out there, do their thing, have their moments. And I think they delivered on that from top to bottom, right? But the question is, what does this do for ongoing weekly ratings, knowing that Austin isn't going to be back next week? And again, I, I don't want to lose sight of this. Austin was super duper complimentary about Monday Night Raw and talking about it being family and kind of how the fans were part of that. And I think that was very interesting to me because Austin has not shied away from being critical of the product where it deserves it. But Austin did put over WWE and the WWE universe in a big way last night, right? So there is some element of if you're a long-term fan who hasn't checked in in a while, you see Austin come out there and do all of this. You're like, okay, maybe I'll check it out next week because WWE is kind of still doing its thing, right? But the other side of this is you did get to see a lot of younger talent interact with a lot of older talent, right? Or I won't say younger, but current today's talent. You know, we talk about the OC, and I think it's a yeah. terrible name, but the club. Let's talk um, about the OC, yes. Yeah, but they interacted with the classic DX faction, which was cool. You got to see Drew McIntyre carry on a storyline he's had going on for a few weeks, get his comeback, and also cross paths with other stars. So I think they were pretty good at blending in the Revival and the Usos to kick off the show, blending in kind of the historic talent with what's happening in today's world. So I think to me, that's where as a fan, you are intrigued because if you didn't know who the Usos were before last night and you were just a fan of John Cena from 10 years ago, you're like, okay, I want to check these guys out because John Cena kind of gave them the rub tonight. I guess. I I don't know. Like in order for me to believe, I guess a lot of that kind of uh, analysis is you have to, you have to think that people's brains are all going to kind of work in the same (laughs) like pattern connecting way. Right. Where it's like X equals Y, Y equals Z. So X equals Z. I got to there where I needed to be. I don't always know that it works quite that way. I do wonder if it's just as simple as sometimes as, you know, everybody got to see who they wanted to see come back. They know they're not going to be there next week. I'll wait for the next time to come along. Right. Maybe, but I think there's some of that. There's an element of emotional attachment here, right? So here's what I will say. You you tune in last night. You you see these guys that you – because we have these emotional connections to these fans, right? We all cried when Daniel Bryan retired, and for me it was Edge was the big one. That was a a really emotional moment. You look back at these historic moments. We are attached to these not just from an analysis standpoint but with our emotions. And so when you see them come back, you feel more connected to this product. I I think the problem is when fans tune in next week who maybe did tune in last night and say, well, give us another go because I felt good last week watching the show – and it doesn't deliver creatively, emotionally, whatever else, I think that's when you'll see the tune out. I think you'll get a bump next week, but it will come back down the week after that. Uh, we shall see. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about some of the the superstars that got uh, rubs here from some of the legends. Uh, so, yeah, like you brought up, the OC, the only club, the original club, whatever you want to call them. First of all, when I hear the OC, uh, I think of uh, – who was that? Uh, Jason Schwartzman's band that uh, yeah. that sang the theme song to OC California. California. <laughs> Here we go. Phantom Ugh. Planet. Phantom Planet. There we go. Got to it eventually. Uh, I can't hear them call themselves the OC without thinking of that. So not a fan of the new name, at least on the outset. I mean, uh, that logo was pretty cool. That logo's, shirt was, was pretty sweet. Logo is the bomb. I love the Samurai Pipple or whatever that thing is. Terrifying. I get it. But then you put California, like the OC right over it. And I just yeah. think teenage girl drama. That's all I can think looking at these three grown badass men right now. Um, and again, X plus Y equals Z. Maybe, you know, it's different for you. Uh, so AJ Styles, Gallows Anderson, they are now the OC. They have... Uh, 
a confrontation with the click, the Outsiders DX. Seth Rollins was on the side of Click Outsiders DX, whatever you want to call them. Uh, the Observer reporting Ricochet was originally supposed to be in this shot, which would make a lot of sense. Ricochet and AJ Styles have had a lot of history recently. Uh, but, uh, you know, he went down with a elbow infection, I guess. We don't really know the severity of it, by the way. But uh, Seth Rollins got the spot instead, and he got the rub working with these guys. Now, uh, I, you know, I do. It's like, okay, you tune in. You want to see the stars. If I see AJ Styles in the club, like, getting together a little Bullet Club thing here, going again, maybe that does hook me. I thought that was one of the things that maybe did resonate with the new fan base. Yeah, and, and, and here's what I'll say, too. They also positioned it where not only were they better than DX, they were also better than The Shield. And so you kind of tease potentially AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, or maybe a Shield reunion of some kind, obviously sans John Moxley, but a Shield reunion of some kind going up against uh, the OC. So I think all of that is interesting. Oh. The, the name, the OC, again, terrible, but but I also wonder, maybe they're going to do something here where I think the OC stands for like the OG, right, the original club, and you do something with Finn Balor moving forward once he returns. You have him cop out there with his own version of the club, and can you do something interesting there? Does he join with Seth Rollins? Do you put Ricochet into this mix-up somehow? So it does open up some potentially interesting direction with a lot of really great talent. Interesting. Um, well, The Rap did an interview with AJ Styles about the OC like a couple days before Raw. Um, and I looked at it. I didn't put it on the run sheet, but I'll bring it up here now. Uh, and they asked him about Finn Balor, and he said that they don't know where Finn stands right now because they're not very well. The the club, the OC, isn't very well liked, and they don't know if Finn Balor is ready to not be very well liked, which I guess is the nice way of saying we aren't sure that they want to turn this guy heel. So putting a little distance between them and Finn, I don't really know how close we are to, to see anything with them. But on that note with the Shield, um, if Moxley, I mean, not if, uh, Moxley is gone, Ambrose is gone, if they want to keep the Shield going, they want to put a third man in there, I mean, Ricochet would seem like the guy, right? Yeah, absolutely. He could fill he could fill that niche in a different way than what Dean Ambrose did, but give them something different than what they already have. Interesting. I dig that. I like that. Uh, I think the talent that got the biggest rub out of Monday Night Raw, the Raw reunion last night, had to be Bray Wyatt attacking Mick Foley, uh, debuting. I hope uh, one of uh, his his new finisher, the Mandible Claw, taking Mick's finisher from him. Um, I, I I just I loved this. I thought it was the best part of Raw. That new look for Bray Wyatt as the fiend or whatever we will call him is fantastic, right? It's amazing. I love the pants. They, just, every detail is right about it. This was a big moment attacking the legend. I, I didn't think about that. I thought he just used the claw because it was Mick Foley's move, but maybe you're right. Maybe he's stealing this move. Maybe he could steal other moves, right? That'd be an interesting thing to do. I don't, I don't do. think he needs to steal other moves. He has the Sister Abigail finisher, but he didn't sure. have a submission finisher, and now he does, and I think that's great. Yeah, absolutely. I think I still, I love it. I love what they're doing, but I just wish, again, it feels too produced the way the lights go down. And here's what really bothers me, I guess. As a fan, I'm watching this. And again, nitpicking here, I know that. To those of you who are like, oh, you're just, okay, I get it. I am nitpicking, right? But the thing that drives me crazy is the lights went down in the exact same way they did last week. It took me 2.5 seconds to know exactly what was going to happen in this moment, which is still fine. But the way the announced team played dumb through this, oh, I wonder what's going on. Oh, they didn't pay their electric bill. All of that stuff takes me out of the moment and out of the seriousness of this kind of uh, shtick or moment or, or whatever you want to vignette, whatever you want to call this right here. It takes me away from the impact it's going to have. And I just wish they wouldn't play into that so much. I think it's great. The lights go down. You hear the laugh. It pops back up. He attacks. You move on. That's cool. The little all that stuff is just too much. It feels like you're trying to put on a show. Yeah, I, I well, I kind of liked it at the very least. It feels like a like an actual like uh, uh, EMP takeover of the building. Like there's some like some shenanigans going on uh, where he's sure. like, messing with the electrical grid and stuff like that. Um, I, I I feel where you're coming from. Like that's what an adult would say. Like what you say, <laughs> you know. I don't know as a kid though if they see it that way. I think it's still got a, a spookiness element to it. Um. It's like a new wave Undertaker kind of deal, right? Like you never like are like, oh, you know, it's so produced the Undertaker's entrance. Like after time, it yeah, it got slicked up, but you know, it still has that impact. I don't know. I, I yeah, like it. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like my wrestling with a little bit rawer edges, I guess. And so you're right; it's going to appeal to fans. And I I said before, I'm picking nits here. I, I think it's still being very well done. 
But I like a little bit of a, is this, you know, kind of that mixing, blurring reality here? He shows up and attack, and it feels kind of just raw in a way, so. Okay, well, yeah. Uh, That's just I, me. I and, could be the minority. And you know I what? I didn't like that stupid uh, moment where they went through the, uh, the the screen a few weeks ago in the Falls Cut Anywhere match, so, yeah. Uh, yeah I'm weird. So many okay, things. Nick? So here's the thing. And again, it's like I promoted the Shavo interview for, for tomorrow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the Thursday interview, too. On Thursday, I have my interview with AJ Awesome a.k.a. the nine-year-old from the AEW scrums. Um, and uh, he talks about how he uh, he really liked the Braun Bobby stuff. And this is a nine-year-old. And he's, like, largely critical of WWE, and I don't want to give anything away. But th- that was one of the things that a nine-year-old watching wrestling liked about that show. Mm-hmm. Me and that kid should do a podcast. We'd be on the opposite end of everything, I feel like. If, he gets a, if you all tune in on, on Thursday and you tell your friends to tune in and that episode does particularly well and AJ will be the lead name on that day and I can attribute it to him, uh, I am more than open to bringing AJ on more. Honestly, I'd like to use AJ to do AEW prediction shows or little yeah. vid- little bits maybe like a 10 minute because i don't want to take a nine-year-old like an hour of his day like he should go be a kid <laughs> right but like go play kid go 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 be a child <laughs> but uh you know 10 minutes once a month whatever who cares he pretty he really likes AEW, that's for sure um also uh before uh i get back onto the <laughs> get on the right tangent uh i had a fun mick foley note pop up on raw last night as well of course warrior wrestling six i do commentary for warrior wrestling here in chicago they have a big show the day after All Out here in Chicago. It'll actually be at Chicago Heights. And uh, uh, my good friend, Frank the Clown, everybody's favorite person. Uh, he is a, he's a, a I, I mean, I want to say manager, but he's also, he like wrestles now. He's like learned to work. It's bizarre, the story of Frank the Clown. Uh, but Frank the Clown did an open challenge, a hardcore open challenge. And last night, his, uh, I don't want to say his father-in-law, because him and Noel aren't married, but they've been together forever. But Mick Foley has answered the call, and I'm going to get what I've wanted forever, which is a confrontation, an in-ring physical confrontation between Mick Foley and Frank the Clown. That's awesome. That's going to be – and it's funny because it's like one of those things that lots of fans know about, Frank the Clown, but to see it come to fruition on the indies is, is a really cool thing here. High spots, guys. This thing's going to be live streamed. What, whose site is Noel on, right? <laughs> I, I fan, and I fantasy booked this a million times in my head already. There's so many fun outcomes to it. So anyway – Warrior Wrestling 6. Uh, back on track here. Uh, Bischoff finally made his way back to WWE TV last night. He appeared in a backstage vignette trying to entice Maria Kanellis to come over to SmackDown. Uh, he also went on to his podcast in the last, I guess, couple days uh, to just blast the fake media for all these reports about his new role, um, which is wild because I know Eric uh, has in the past said how much more reliable wrestling media is than other uh, outlets in the, but I don't know if he'd say that publicly or not. So anyway, uh, Eric unhappy about the reports out there. Um, what was your take on on Eric's little interaction with Maria there? You know, it's interesting. We've been speculating for weeks. What is who is Eric Bischoff in WWE today? Is he going to be on screen? Is he going to actually be a executive producer or whatever it was they they called him in that press release? But it seemed like last night they were doubling down and saying he's going to be an on screen talent as well. Yes. He, he was do, he was doing the whole come yes. join us on SmackDown thing. So it's like, hey fans, he's going to be here. He's going to be on SmackDown. Yes, I you know, and if you've listened the last couple of weeks as we've been watching or the reports come in about Eric's uh, position with WWE, I've said for a while now. How long is it going to be before Eric becomes an on-screen authority character? And you know what the answer was? One day before he officially started his <laughs> new job. Negative one day. Negative one day it took Eric to become. Because, you know, in those two sentences, I mean, how can you not say they teased him as an author- on-screen authority figure? I think you have to glean that from it. That's literally all he did That's on this it. show last night, other than stand around and clap. <laughs> He's being on SmackDown, and right? If, if he has creative input, then this was, I would think, part his call. If he doesn't, then he's just going with the flow. And that's a whole other thing to analyze from that exchange. Yeah, well, it's it's this is the historic, and I'm getting ready to drop the piece into the queue for your, uh, for Wrestling Inc. here about kind of Eric Bischoff's last run at creative and being on, on screen. But this is Eric Bischoff's classic thing. He shows up in a company to be behind the scenes and help produce or do whatever else. And then within a matter of, Usually weeks, he's on screen doing stuff as an authority figure. And it's funny because if you go back to the beginning of Eric Bischoff's career, he didn't want to be on screen originally back in, you know, back in the day. He just kind of got thrown out now there because they needed him. Now wait. Time out. Time uh-huh. out. Uh, first of all, you're right. Second of all, <laughs> uh, Eric is uh, like he was like a model. This guy's lived his whole life in front of a camera. He did commentary uh, for the AWA. 
Um, yeah. He was a backstage interviewer. You know, to, to say that he didn't want to be uh, a central character, I think, would be uh, a bit of a mistelling of, of what happened there. Now, but potentially, here... but it was, I mean, the rumor was, or whatever I read, said that, you know, when he was working with, with Vern Gagne, he sure. had no desire to be in front of the camera. Take it as you will. He okay. could have edited Wikipedia himself for all that I know. Right? Okay, great. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll take the comment at face value then. The other side of this coin here is, if this is, look, Eric has said to me a countless number of times, he felt that his best on-screen work as a character was in WWE. He worked well in that space. Uh, you know, everybody seemed to enjoy Eric in that role. If you're going to just be an on-screen character, just cop up to it, right? Just say it. Just be like, this is fun. People like it when I do this shit, stuff, whatever, apologies. Uh, this is what WWE would like me to be doing as well. And then just own it. And, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's like, it, I think it caught a lot of people off guard last night to see. It didn't catch me off guard, but it caught a lot of the people off guard last night to see him kind of back in that spot. So, Yeah, not surprised. Also, keep this, too, in mind when he was with WWE, because he was there for what? He was a GM for three years, which is a very long time for yeah. a WWE GM. Sure. He he um he had some creative input, but he didn't drive creative the same way that he did when he was influencing Impact Wrestling or when he was influencing WCW. So sure. for him to say that's his most successful time, I think is interesting because of the fact that he had some input, but it wasn't him kind of in charge at the at the helm. Well, tonight I guess is going to be his first day uh, in a creative in a production meeting working backstage at SmackDown. So we'll know tomorrow. We'll get more reports <laughs> and we'll continue to watch this. This situation unfurl. Uh, another name that surprised me last night on Raw Reunion was Impact Wrestling star RVD appearing to, uh, with a couple other legends to help run off Sami Zayn. Great. I, thought, I mean, look, I, I wrote Impact this morning to, to try to find out if, if, they, if they had a comment, and I haven't heard back or anything about it, but, uh, you know. Whatever. It's a win-win, right? Number one, if you're RVD, you get a payday. If you're Impact Wrestling, you get the rub because people are going to be looking him up and saying, oh, he's with you guys. And then if you're WWE, you get to make weed references throughout the night. So it all works. Yeah. Uh, enjoyed seeing Rob there. Uh, tw okay, so the other, the last big story coming out of the Raw reunion last night was the tale of the WWE 24-7 title, giving me exactly what I wanted, which is a series of legends holding this belt last night. Uh, but before we got to that, the Hurricane and Drake Maverick attempted to beat R-Truth with the title at San Diego Comic-Con, which they played some clips of uh, on Raw. That felt weird to me. Did that, all, did that, did that stuff on stage at the Comic-Con feel weird to you? Uh, it felt very forced, but it also seemed like that was a brand part, brand <laughs> synergy, Nick, with IGN and WWE to kind of expand both of their their brands. <laughs> those uh, those hosts had no idea what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> Look, and then a pro wrestler appeared. Uh, 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 all right. Uh, so last night on Raw, then we got a, a new series of title holders. Uh, Pat Patterson, the first to beat our truth. Then uh, Patterson knocked out somehow backstage. Come back from commercial break. Briscoe has won the title. Um, then uh, Kelly Kelly pinned Gerald Briscoe to become the first female 24-7 champion. Uh, oh, by the way, Pat Patterson, I believe at 78, is the oldest WWE champion of all time. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All time. Didn't didn't Fabulous Moolah hold the women's title at like a, a senior age as well? Mm. I don't know. I That's like, interesting. I feel like I feel I feel like in the back of my head she did. Anyway, mm. Candace Michelle took the title from Kelly Kelly, only for Alundra Blaze to take it from Candace. Alundra turned around, was about to recreate the infamous trash can spot from WCW Nitro, but before she could pull it off, she sold the title to Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man. DiBiase would go on to lose the belt to Drake Matt Drake Maverick, who just before he could get away in his limousine to go consummate his marriage with his wife, was cut off by our truth who took the title and his wife and sped away. Fabulous Moolah, to answer your question, was the uh, she won the, her final women's championship at age seventy six in nineteen ninety nine. So yes, oh. two years shy of Gerald Briscoe. There, uh, Pat Patterson. Uh, Pat, Pat Patterson. I mean, yeah, Pat Patterson. Yeah. Well, see, there you go. I got a mind. I, I know things sometimes. Uh, what do mm. you think of that? I thought of you know outside of Bray Wyatt. I thought that this was the thing that uh, fans of the Attitude Era would have tuned in, seen, and said, "Oh, this is this is familiar. This is fresh. It's a concept I know. Uh, you got the you got the, the Stooges there, but there's other faces here that I'm getting to know, like Drake. Uh, and you know, Truth has been around, but Drake, Ma honestly, probably just Drake Maverick got the biggest rub here. I think of anybody. 
yeah, Drake Maverick, and again, Truth continues to kind of look at, look great as a spotlight of this division. For Say what you will about how goofy it is. It, it's really spotlighting these two guys in a big way and giving them lots of TV time. It was fun. Uh, I love the way they wove it throughout the night. I love the way they brought it full circle by having them kind of show back up in the ring with McFoley. That was interesting. It achieved what it needed to. My concern, if I can say that, we talk about the IGN segment from Comic-Con, they're using this 24-7 title as being kind of a way to weave in WWE to all of these kind of pop culture moments and conventions and all that stuff. But the problem is, at a certain point, you end up putting our truth out there for all of these public appearances so you can have these quote-unquote moments. And I'm not saying they're overdoing it yet, but if this continues on this path for, I would say, months, we're going to have our truth all over the place. And I think that's going to start to the detriment of WWE's bigger brand. And we'll move on now to SmackDown tonight. Shawn Michaels, HBK, hot off of his appearances on Monday Night Raw, uh, reveals uh, revealed last week he'll be on commentary for SmackDown tonight. A little weird, but whatever. I guess that, I don't know. Shawn's a little, Shawn's a wild card on commentary, so I don't really know what this is going to add to the show. <laughs> what, what was the last big thing he did commentary for? Um he did. He did. Uh, he did the pre-show panel or the kickoff panel for Mania. I remember. Or no, was it Mania or one of the other shows right around then, where he wore like a T-shirt and a vest and a tie and a pair of jean shorts cut off? I mean, he looked like a ridiculous human being. Um, I forget what that was. So yeah, I don't. I don't. The last time he did commentary for a match, I don't know. No, wait. He did NXT. No, did he call an NXT match not long ago? He did NXT. He did something recently, and I just remember feeling like it was a little bit, a little bit awkward. The last time I've seen him on commentary, but I'm sure he's been working on it from places I haven't seen. We'll see. Sean on commentary tonight. Also tonight on SmackDown, Kofi Kingston is going to be issuing a challenge to find a SummerSlam opponent. Um, I think Randy Orton is the most likely choice here. I feel like they've been heating him up the last two weeks to, to get this role against Kofi. Yeah, it would, be a, it would be a good call, too, because you can lean into some past experiences. They teased it when Kofi was having his rise right before Mania, so I'd love to see them follow up on this and follow up on their infamous feud from 2009, it was, whenever Kofi Kingston kind of originally got squashed by Orton. And lastly, here on SmackDown, uh, we're going to get Shane McMahon's response to Kevin Owens' uh, challenge that he made on social media for a match at SummerSlam. If he loses this match, Kevin Owens says he will quit WWE. He'll be gone forever. What do you think is going to happen here? I love this because, you know, Kevin Owens is not, I don't think he will lose. I think he will finally give Shane McMahon his comeuppance. They're treating Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon like a new age Stone Cold Steve Austin and Vince McMahon. And I think that's the one disappointing thing from last night's Raw is we didn't get to see Kevin Owens come out there and do a stunner with Austin. It wouldn't have made any sense the way they handled Austin, but I think that would have been a nice kind of passing of the torch moment for what Kevin Owens has been doing as of late. So, um, yeah, this Shane McMahon's being used a lot. This is one of the better ways I feel like that he can be used in a match, especially if Kevin Owens can get the rub here. Uh, I think Owens loses this. I mm. think he. I think he loses. I think. Uh, I think there's a bunch of shenanigans. I think Shane McMahon cheats. Kevin Owens feels cheated. The fans feel cheated, and then we get Kevin Owens finding his way into the arena to raise hell until Shane McMahon is forced to hire him back so that he can kick his ass in the ring. <laughs> that could happen. That's straight out of the 90s. That's that is. Era booking right there. Uh, SummerSlam update here. The Observer reporting Undertaker not scheduled for this year's SummerSlam. Uh, I hope this isn't true. He looked great on Monday Night Raw. Was looking forward to seeing him doing something at SummerSlam this year. Why would you not? You have him back in the fold. You have him wrestle at a pay-per-view. I don't understand the business decision here because putting him on the card, especially, again, to your point, as good as he looked recently, putting him on the card will elevate this. If you would ask me this after the greatest pay-per-view of all time and uh, over in, uh, well, we won't, we won't say the name on the air, right? But sure. if, you, if you were to call after that Bill Goldberg match, I would say, please don't bring him back. But he's looked so good lately, and he adds a level of legend status to the card. Yeah. And that was the thing about Raw Reunion in general was I thought there was like a lot of like little cool spots, but can't we spread out some of this stuff over a couple weeks? Do you not have to wait to load it all up on one show? Can't you like work in a legend segment or something fun or even a couple of those each week to just keep people on their toes and surprise them? Yeah, but the way they do creative now is not that I don't think they future book that well or plan that or isn't that planful, I should say. You just say, OK, well, this week we're going to have Patterson Briscoe here. Find something for him. You know, this week I got Godfather here. Find Logistical headaches, Nick. <laughs> Whatever. WWE medical. <laughs> Come on. 
the Observer reporting that Paul Heyman is looking to make backstage promos more realistic. We had noticed, uh, noted last week Paul was pushing for more uh, live backstage segments here as he feels that adds an element of realism to him. Uh, well, Heyman wants there to be consequences to everyone's actions and for the atmosphere to, atmosphere to feel authentic. And, you know, I think the backstage vignettes have been much better as of late, honestly. They have been much better. They've been a little more unexpected. They feel a little bit less rehearsed. And I, I don't know if that's carrying over to SmackDown. You heard Kevin Owens kind of last week was working off of bullet points, which I thought was really interesting. So some of that influence may be helping the product out a lot. And by the way, speaking of backstage vignettes, Street Profits were fantastic last yeah, night. Yeah, they were. They were their, their, their money act, man. They're great. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sports Illustrated on the note of promos. Reporting that Kevin Owens has been working with no script as of late. He's working off of bullet points given to him by the SmackDown writers. And it's obvious. This guy is saying some some really great stuff right now. Some really edgy stuff that I'm surprised he's almost like getting away with it. Which I, I guess is what they want. And I'm good. Yeah, and, and you imagine the topics have been kind of preordained and, and pre-selected by upper management. But again, working off of bullet points gives the talent the freedom. And especially a talented talent like Kevin Owens who has that comfortability gives him the freedom to deliver the message as he authentically would and allows the fans to connect with him as a person more rather than trying to connect with a quote-unquote paper character. So, smart choice. Yeah, Pro Wrestling Sheet, uh, lastly here on the note of WWE Creative, Pro Wrestling Sheet reporting that SmackDown co-lead writer Steve Guarini and Raw in-office lead writer Steve Oppenheim were let go from the company last week. Uh, PW Insider reporting that the writers being let go were a Vince McMahon idea to quote unquote shake things up. WWE has assigned producers to work. Oh, also, WWE has assigned producers to work either Raw brand or SmackDown brand instead of going back and forth. So that's a bit of a separate note there. I read about these two writers. There was another writer or former writer uh, from WWE who had a nice thread on Twitter. Sounds like these guys weren't necessarily doing anything wrong. Um, again, it's just like Vince, you know, just wanted something different. I mean, you know, and then you look at a week later and the product doesn't seem that much different. You know, I, I hate these kind of just off the cuff, shoot from the hip, impulsive, shake things up decisions because I think they don't address the original issue, right? Creative fields are inherently difficult and inherently difficult to manage, but you can't just fire and hire people and expect the changes to magically appear. There's got to be some intentionality behind it. And, and really with creative, it comes down to the process, not always the people you need creative people, but also the process for how you are creative gets you there. So I don't like this also because we're talking about uh, two guys who this is their livelihood, um, Steve Guerrero and Steve Oppenheim. So just getting rid of them to quote unquote shake things up rubs me the wrong way a little bit. Uh, and I think if I were on the rest of the writing team, uh, creative team for WWE, I would be worried. Yeah, it is a it is a weird time backstage for WWE creative. Um, uh, let's see here. Wrestling Observer also reporting or the Observer reporting WWE's upcoming Madison Square Garden shows. Uh, happening here in September, just a couple days before AAA's uh, Lucha Invade New York show. Um, the ticket sales have been, quote-unquote, not good. Uh, expectations uh, were that Raw would be an instant sellout, and so far neither night has sold out yet. Um, I was kind of surprised by this one. What did you make of the fact that these ticket sales aren't going so strongly at MSG for WWE? Well, and... and... <sighs> I think it's just reflective of how the general populace feels about WWE's product. And we can say there have been some changes in recent weeks, right? But by and large, if you've just been kind of a casual fan over the long term, there's not been anything exciting to make me go out and see one of these TV tapings. And I always tell fans, go see a house show because you'll get much better matches in wrestling by and large than you will at a TV taping where there are breaks and there are all these backstage segments and all this stuff. So... I'm not surprised by that. I think it's a victim of WWE's own creative style and booking style. And you compare it to what happened um, with Ring of Honor and New Japan back over WrestleMania weekend. There's a big difference there. That was a super card for these two major promotions and a rare event for fans in the States who are all centralized in New York for that one weekend to see these talents, especially some of the international talents. So the fact that WWE considers saying, yeah, we're going to sell this out. They're on a, they've been on a downward trend for a while now, so not entirely surprised. Uh, NXT news here. Seven-foot-tall Jordan Amigabahan, I think I got that right, uh, debuted for NXT this past weekend. Picks up uh, He picked up a victory in a handicap match, and he was led to the ring by Courtney Moore, the former Stokely Hathaway. Uh, did you get a chance to check out the, uh, the leaked footage of this guy's debut? I've not seen it yet. What unfortunately, a, what a what a freak of nature in all the nicest ways. This gentleman is gigantic, evenly proportioned, moved around really well. If uh, if you haven't seen it, 
Uh, anyone listening hasn't seen yet, uh, I believe it was Divas Insiders leaked the footage here. He, uh, man, it is uh, this guy is a sight to see. Very big, and then Stokely Hathaway, the former Stokely Hathaway, uh, as his manager, has to like stand on the second ring turnbuckle to be at eye level with him and like raise his hand to to celebrate his victory. It's impressive. It's cool. But you said dude can move though, right? Like that's always what I want to ask about a giant guy like this. Can he move? <laughs> I didn't see him doing cartwheels, but he seemed to be moving <laughs> just fine. He wasn't Bam Bam Bigelow, but I mean he was he was moving pretty well. So uh yeah, check it out. Uh and uh last WWE news item here to pivot into our AEW and other news block here. Uh Seth Rollins was on an international media call for WWE yesterday was asked about AEW. He said, we're going to knock him dead, just like we do everyone else. He was then asked about John Moxley, and he goes, I was surprised by it. I knew Ambrose needed time away from WWE. Now he's competition and trying to take dinner off my table, and good on him. Stiff words here. Seth Rollins, just a firecracker WWE defender at the moment. I love it. I love the fact that he is he's treating this like a real rivalry. And I know some people will say, well, yeah, you shouldn't treat them like competition because we don't know what's going to be it. They absolutely are competition. They're occupying some of the media space here. And for Seth Rollins to treat it like this, is ele- it's elevating AEW, but it's elevating the business as a whole, I think. And Seth Rollins gets this, right? He, he doesn't diss Ambrose directly. He says good on him, but he says now he's competition. And I think to me what Seth Rollins is doing is he's trying to build this up. Right, Not trying to hope that AEW takes over WWE, but trying to build up this rivalry to draw in fans who might tune in to Raw to see him, but also will tune into the business in general. And um, I love it. It just it feels good, man. Yeah. Uh, interesting here. I don't know what I don't know if 3D chess or checkers is being played. I really don't know right now. It's just Seth Rollins shooting from the hip. Um, well, we do know that we're going to get some big AEW TNT news tomorrow uh, at AEW on TNT. That is the official Twitter handle uh, as being promoted by AEW and the Young Bucks. Uh, that is TNT's uh, news feed there for all things AEW. And I saw the tweet just this morning, six minutes after it went out. Tomorrow's the big announcement. And I have to believe tomorrow we are going to find out what the, the day for their weekly TV series will be. I love the cross promotion TNT is doing to promote all e- all elite wrestling, and I, I love the if you if you follow all elite wrestling on TNT AW on TNT Twitter, uh, their bio is we back in the wrestling biz. Buckle up! It just it speaks to the right audience in the right way. They're doing the work the way they should. Uh, CM Punk he's going to appear at Starcast three for an onstage interview the day of the afternoon of All Out. Now Sports Illustrated. Uh, got a few comments there from Punk. He noted he only does a signing a year. He likes to get out. Uh, he thinks it has an impact on fans. But, man, you're going to have CM Punk on stage from 11 to 12.30, I think is the time on the StarCast schedule. Uh, I probably got that a little wrong. But just a few hours before All Out, I think it's going to – I think, you know, the expectation is there. I think people are going to be let down if they don't see this guy on the show now. Yeah. I, I mean, take it as you will, right? CM Punk did the thing with, with pro wrestling tees last year for him to do Starcast three is a step in the right direction. Fans are always ready for the big moment. And I think honestly, this is the right way to do it. CM Punk is, we know he's going to be at Starcast. Don't build up in your mind. He's going to be at yeah, all out because then if he doesn't show up, you're disappointed, right? Hold out that little bit of hope for yourself that he might. I, I think CM Punk is still maybe kind of on the fence. It just feels like every week, you know, he's kind of teeter tottering. So maybe not yet, maybe next year, or maybe he does. But uh, this is still an awesome take this for what it is. This news is a big deal for Starcast 3 and for Punk to appear in a wrestling venue to do this kind of signing. It's a it's a really big deal for wrestling fans. I should also note here that uh, Punk will be on Saturday. Friday will be the Art of Wrestling with Colt Cabana. Uh, a podcast that, that Colt uh, has announced he's, he's winding down now. He's going to do occasional interviews through the end of the year. Uh, but I know they're on different days. Probably won't even share a room. But uh, that's a that's a that's a bit interesting note there that CM Punk willing to appear on the same event as Cabana right now uh, in that space. Um, I don't know what to make of that, but I did feel like I had to point that out considering the uh, contentious relationship they seem to have had as of late. Um, but yeah, man, I you heard think- it here first. Colt Cabana, CM Punk feud to head up AEW moving forward. <laughs> hey, man, play it, play it, <laughs> play it for money. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, I think um, I think he'll be it all out. I-, I would find it very hard for him to walk up to the precipice like this and not pay it off. I think he knows that now is probably the, the best time to do it. I mean, I don't think you could get any more in- anticipation than this. So I think, I, you know, and I've been very skeptical of Punk uh, making the leap, but I saw this. I think he'll be there. I think he'll be there. 
You got me skeptical, dude, and now you're jumping ship. Come on. Whatever, Come on, Come uh, on. Uh, His wife, by the way, CM Punk's wife, AJ Lee, noted uh, on Twitter recently a racist encounter she had. She wrote, a moment ago, a woman driving by in her car shouted at me to go back where I came from. Instead of being angry, I'm just going to sit on my computer and keep writing about strong, brilliant Latina superheroes. That would probably really piss her off. Hashtag representation matters. Uh, it goes without saying, uh, don't be an asshole. Uh, this is a really dickish thing to be said, and it seems to be uh, pretty common right now. And uh, very happy that she spoke out in uh, the uh, the way she did about that answer or about that. Got that channel answer. that energy, baby. Make it you know, speak back, clap back in the most powerful way possible. And for AJ Lee, use that platform. That's fantastic. Uh, Santino Morella and Damian Sandow came out of retirement this past Friday night at uh, Santino's Battle Arts Academy. Sandow now going by the Dow Aaron Steve, the, the Dow Aaron Stevens. He's talking about this new millennial Slayer character he's going to try to bring uh, to the table. Uh, both of them picked up victories at the show, and I think we're going to see more of both of them uh, at Battle Arts and maybe more going forward. Always enjoy both these guys. So happy to see Would that. love to see Sandow get a bigger role somewhere, though. I love Sandow. He's such a great talent. Uh, Rhino officially returned to Impact Wrestling over the weekend. Impact released fan cam footage on his return uh, via social media. Uh, the footage uh, detailed, uh, let's see, as Melissa Santos got Cage over to the corner of the ring, Elgin turned his attention to unmask a mystery man. But the actual Rhino ended up jumping into the ring behind Elgin, gave him a gore. Rhino then went up into the crowd to celebrate. And uh, there you go. Rhino, Rhino, officially back with Impact Wrestling and uh, you can go find the full spoilers uh, for their tapings over on the site right now. Happy for him. Was, wasn't this the speculation that it might, like, everybody said it's Rhino in the mask, but it would turn out to be somebody else in the mask and Rhino would surprise them? Um, well, that's kind of what happened here, right? Yeah, I was going to say that was the speculation a few months ago. That's awesome. Oh, well, there you go. Um, and lastly here, GCW, our good friends at Game Changer Wrestling, made some big news yesterday as well. Uh, of course, they're going to be promoting Bloodsport 2 here in about a month and a half. Uh, that's a uh, headline now by Josh Barnett taking on the one and only John Moxley. Uh, Bloodsport, uh, Bloodsport, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 2. This would be the third Bloodsport because Matt Riddle did the first one. Uh, but for those that don't know, Bloodsport, uh, no ropes. Uh, you can only win by knockout or tap out. This will be a very physical encounter between Barnett and John Moxley. Moxley's been releasing a lot of MMA boxing clips and things like that. Um, you know, we see we saw him do a death match. I'm very interested to see how he does in this space. And also the video that came out uh, to announce this match as well was also shot by Nick Mondo, who did the jailbreak video of Moxley's, which uh, everybody really likes. So if you really like that one, um, I would highly recommend going checking out this one as well. Anyway, thoughts? Moxley, Josh Barnett. Love the, I mean, always love the name Bloodsport. Such a great, awesome movie. Great name for a quote-unquote pro wrestling event here. But excited to see John Moxley continue to evolve his character. You can tell he's so excited to be out here on the indies. He's doing all these different things. And this will, again, be yet another iteration on who is John Moxley after he is no longer Dean Ambrose. My guest at this time will be starring in season three of Netflix's Glow as Tammy Welfare Queen Dawson. She's also a two-time TNA Knockouts champion, was recently seen at AEW's Fight for the Fallen. It is Kia Stevens, a.k.a. Awesome Kong. Kia, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today. Thank you for having me. Oh, man. Well, I'm uh, very excited for this chat. Uh, my girlfriend and I are gigantic uh, Glow fans on Netflix, and before we get into uh, the show... Uh, I wanted to ask you, were you a fan of the original Glow uh, before you started up on the on the Netflix series? I was. I indeed was. Um, I would watch wrestling with my brother, and it's only because he would torture me with wrestling moves. So I decided to go watch wrestling by myself for a while and mm. learn some moves. And then I was like, the next time he comes at me, I have something for him. And then I did. And then so he stopped, you know teasing me and messing with me we would watch you know wrestling together and like harmony with oh. respect to one another and we absolutely love glow that's awesome and you know so for you now you know you had this successful pro wrestling career uh and then you you jumped away and became this actress here you know what was the process like for you when you were originally joining the cast of the show well i started off in acting i was a child actor um uh, which is why i think i i slid into wrestling so easily okay. um, because it, it was a different kind of performance for me and I've been performing since I was seven. So um, going back to just, you know, screen acting was 
like just oh going full circle i loved it yeah and so when you got the script for glow originally and you were reading it you know what did you think did you get the vibe that this was a show that could really grab people the way that it has yes i was so excited i could like see it mentally reading that first script i was like ah i could totally see this and i'm like even if i don't get this part this is going to be a show i'm definitely going to delve into yeah, it's 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 rough, you know. Obviously, with with your background here, you know, I don't really know that pro wrestling has been ever captured in a TV show quite like Glow has. You know, why do you why do you think it's taken this long for for a show like Glow to come along and really present pro wrestling in the in the frank way that it is? You know, I don't know. I, I'm just you know, I'm happy that Liz and Carly, you know, they, they saw the documentary of the Glow Girls, and so this idea for Glow came to light. So if they if they had never saw that documentary, perhaps it would have, it would have taken longer. So I think it was just the opportunity. Um, it was just like all the stars aligned for this to happen, so, and right on time too. That's so cool. And so you're reading this thing here, and you get to the character Tammy Dawson, aka Welfare Queen. What what did you think of this character originally? Did you relate to this character at all in any way? My mother was an actress, so she had to take on many roles that she wasn't comfortable with. So I think that um, when I saw Tam A in her role, I felt it was important to take to tell this story as to be a cautionary tale for the industry, for producers and directors alike, to know the social and emotional impact their decisions have yeah. when it comes to entertainment. Yeah, and you know, with with that in mind, I'll jump to a question I hear I had uh, later here in my sheet here, though. But my absolute favorite episode of the series so far has been "Mother of All Matches," which was really about you and the dynamic with your son. Um, what did that episode? What did it mean for you? You know, just talking about kind of you know what your mom struggled with. Uh, what did it mean for you to get to do that episode and present that kind of strong narrative? Uh, it meant the world because I felt that I could show you know a, a different dimension to. Um, my acting ability and to contribute to telling that story was very important to me. Something that's going to stick with me the rest of my life. That's so cool, Kia. And, you know, it was interesting, you know, I thought it was from season one to season two, you, your character and you in particular, you seem to get, I guess, more of a push. If you want to use a wrestling term, right? You seem to get expanded upon. What led to you getting more screen time here, more acting time in season two? Um, I have no idea. I think it's just basically this. It's a, well, we are an ensemble cast. Right. And I think it's basically just, you know, getting to each character's story a bit. And I'm um, like this season, we get into other characters' stories. So other characters are having more screen time. And I just think over the seasons, everyone is going to get shined um, more. And I just think my number was up first <laughs> it's so cool to hear you like talk in wrestling terms and describing glow the series where people are going to get their chance to shine i love it <laughs> <laughs> you know it's embedded we can't even we don't even hear ourselves when we <laughs> you really babied yourself in that mother of all matches episodes i'm just saying kia right you were it was, it was wonderful um now you know with the cast here you say it's an ensemble what's it been like watching the non-wrestling members of the cast learn and train how to like do some wrestling for the series. Oh, it's been so breathtaking because you get to see a wrestler being born, you know, and it's so precious to see their confidence rise with each training session. And now each of them are so formidable that they can go out and hang with the best of them. That's so cool. Has there any, has there been any one cast member that has really taken to the training that surprised you? Nope, actually, they all did. Like, they all did. Kimmy, um, Kimmy Gatewood, uh, uh, she took to it like like she had been wrestling forever. Um, <laughs> first, she was the first one to, like, break off and be like, dang, Kimmy could get in and hang for real. And then, but surely, everyone, I, I would vouch for anybody on the cast if they wanted to go out and um, work. Oh, well, that's fascinating. I mean, it's not like you aren't working with like a giant promotion right now at AEW. I mean, is there any chance we see like a Glow Battle Royal or a, a crossover here? Any chance you want to try to make that happen with the two things? Um, I'm the word. <laughs> I'm sorry. What did you say? 
I said mum's the word. Oh, mum's the word. Okay. Well, I tried. Um, now, <laughs> um, now, also, like, have any, like, the cast here, you know, they're all learning to wrestle. Have any of them, like, surprised you become big pro wrestling fans? Are you, like, going over and having pay-per-view parties with people now? Well, I wouldn't say pay-per-view parties, uh, but uh, sometimes the girls come to work and they're like, hey, did you see such and such last night? Yeah. And and they'll describe, you know, uh, a wrestling event or show that they watched either online or on TV that that the night before. And it makes me giggle. I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're actually following, like, wrestling storylines right now. I think it's it's the cutest because it's like – well, you know, the show brings more eyeballs to wrestling that, you know, people that maybe have never watched wrestling, they, now they watch wrestling and that, including the cast. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, you have some great uh, producers on the show, too, helping working with the wrestling. I know in particular Chavo Guerrero, somebody I'm a big fan of. What's it like been working with Chavo? I mean, especially since the Guerrero family has ties to the original Glow. Um, it's great because, you know, we will collaborate and uh, think of things that we think the girls um, would take to, you know, we, we know like their physical uh, attributes and, and um, capacities and like, oh, I think she'd be great, you know, doing this move or something like that. So it's fun to, to bounce off ideas with Chavo because he's so receptive and um, makes us feel included with ideas. That's awesome. And, and, and like, uh, as far as like, I guess the creative goes, I don't know. Do you, do you talk with the writers? Do you have any input or like ideas that, that see their way, make themselves onto the screen? Oh, definitely. If there's something that I'm like, well, you know, you might back then, this would be probably said this way. They'll, they're, they, they'll told it. They're like, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We want to know this stuff. And, um, they, they'll totally change it or incorporate it into the show. That's awesome. I was kind of expecting you to be like, I don't have really, but you actually get to have some input. That's like a big, that's like a big uh, talking point right now in pro wrestling is how much wrestlers have input in their characters and stuff like that. That's so cool to hear that you get to do that on the show. Yes. Yes. They make us feel heard. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. You know, and you guys have made, or you ladies have made such a big impact here, you know, uh, recently on the cover of ESPN magazine, you had Alice and Brie and Becky Lynch standing right next to each other in a ring. What did it mean? For you to get to see them take a cover like that oh gosh it, it it's uplifting you know because things like that that it's, it's like one more step into elevating and 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 bringing notoriety to women's wrestling and wrestling in general but um especially given that respect that the women in wrestling have worked so hard for so things like that make make me feel uplifted yeah, and talk to me a little bit about, you know, what it's been like for you to watch the women's revolution play out over the past couple of years. I mean, I guess that's what they call it, but I mean, you've been you were like ahead of the curve. You were somebody that made such a you had such a huge influence on the the knockouts division in TNA. I feel like, you know, you like many others were, you know, the launching pad for what we've seen here in the past couple of years. Yeah, I, I feel when when I hear um about, you know, what the women are doing, I I feel proud because I feel like I did my part to let that happen you know you absolutely did and, and you're back here now and, and while i've got you here real quick like how does it feel to be back in a wrestling ring and around a a big promotion like aew what, what's it like to be out there again oh gosh oh i have so many words and i have to describe it it's it's exciting i'm i'm happy for my wrestling community um that they're working in a place that they love so much and and that they feel heard and everyone's collaborating and, and putting the best product uh, together to put out there and that the wrestling fans um, feel like they've been heard and that they're getting the best product out there. And it feels like everyone's happy and um, that they can't wait to see, you know, what's going to bloom. Um, well, that's so cool. And you're right. And, you know, on that note, I mean, like you're obviously – Big star over here on Netflix. You know, they're moving to TNT. Is, is this going to be a, a long-term thing for you? Can we continue to see, expect to see you in, in Brandy Rhodes' corner? Um, I think it's a really, it weighs on the side of extremely possible and likely. 
Okay, very cool. Uh, well, I was in Daytona. I was also in Vegas, so I've seen we've seen both of your appearances live, and uh, people are stoked for you. You get a big reaction. It's very cool to feel that space and that environment when you come out, especially you with Asha Kong there. Like, what do, what do you think of her? Oh my gosh, Asha! Well, you know she's the OG Kong, you know. Yeah. Um, and she has so much experience uh, to be wrestling as long as she has. That's just a blessing in itself. And she's so formidable still, you know, um, that I would hope to, like, get in there and tangle with her like two wildebeests and just, like, go at it and give something to fans have been looking forward to for a long time and give them that. That's something I really want to give to people who uh, have been wanting to see that for a long time. That's so cool. Hey, Nick, we have time for about one more question. That's fine. My last question here, I guess, would be, uh, you know, what was it like for you when you transitioned out of, of wrestling there for a little while and we're getting back into to auditioning regularly? How, how do you feel that the tone of Hollywood has changed in regards to pro wrestling in general now that you're you're out there and, and making moves, especially like this one? Um, I Well, you know, before it was like we were in the bowels of the entertainment in- industry, and I think that especially – showing the range that uh, wrestling performers have, I think eyes are opening. Because, you know, back in the day, models wouldn't be allowed to act. People didn't take models seriously, and even they didn't take wrestlers seriously either. So I think people are um, sitting up and taking notice and actually respecting wrestling performers as performers. I agree. Uh, Kia, I want to thank you so much uh, for the time once again. Again, uh, Netflix Netflix Glow Season 3 very soon. And uh, Kia, anything else you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap it up? Uh, no, not not really right now. Well, right now I'm just working on writing some things with my writing partner, Nick Alexander. Um, we're putting together some stuff because, you know, I took the name Kong, um, which is was problematic being that I'm a woman of color um, and said that I would be successful one day enough to make other opportunities for other women of color, and that's what I'm working on right now. Thank you, Michael, for joining me at the top of the show to talk the news of the day. Thank you, Kia Stevens, a.k.a. Awesome Kong, for the interview, and thank you to Netflix for uh, helping to set that up. I cannot wait for Glow Season 3. I cannot wait to see Gina Davis in a pro wrestling space going to be fantastic um if you like the show here you like our post shows go over to the wrestling inc audio itunes page give us a nice five-star rating give us uh, a comment whatever interact with the itunes page helps with the analytics appreciate it uh wwe is going to be presenting smackville this saturday night you excited for smackville michael smackville dude it's you know it's what everything i ever wanted from a wwe smackville event Smackville, uh, featuring uh, you know live performance from Elias there in Nashville. That that's something maybe to be on the hook about. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna cover Smackville this weekend on the site. So if you're looking for something to do Saturday night, tune into that show. Check in on Wrestling Inc. We're gonna be covering the show all night long. Uh, I, I said it earlier. I'll say it again. Tomorrow on the show, we are gonna be featuring an interview with Chavo Guerrero, uh, talking all about Glow Season Three. Uh, talking about what's going on in the world of professional wrestling, talking about his new beer, Los Guerreros Mexican-style lager, which is delicious and fantastic. Mm. Um, so you're going to hear a great conversation with Shava tomorrow. And also on the show tomorrow, um, we are going to be playing audio from a man named Adam Brusil. Um, Adam was wrongly imprisoned in Tennessee. He's still in prison right now. You can go find uh, about his case. Uh, we're going to have a post going up here very short, very shortly on, on Wrestling Inc., uh, but wrongly imprisoned in Tennessee, um, and Capital Wrestling, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall are getting together to do a show on August 11th to raise legal fees to help him uh, get out of prison, uh, continue to fight his case, and uh, to promote uh, this event. Uh, Capital Wrestling uh, sent to me audio of Adam from prison talking to his sister via a phone call, uh, thanking Capital, Kevin Nash, and Scott Hall, and encouraging fans. To come out and help him uh, with this show. I have done a lot of audio in my day, Michael. I have never re- included a prison phone call in a, a, a P- in a podcast. This will be something different, and it's uh, for a good cause. I hope you guys get a chance to come out, to come back tomorrow, listen to Adam in his own words uh, talk about uh, what's going on with him, and, and thanking these guys for helping him with the situation he's in right now. 
That's awesome. I'm super intrigued. <laughs> yeah, ditto. <laughs> uh, so big, big Winkly, big week still ahead. Thank you all very much for tuning in. Michael, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here to, to wrap up the show? Nothing specific this week. Got a lot of irons in the fire for the site. But one thing I do want to plug, as always, please follow me on Twitter. I'm at The Real Wiseman. You can keep up with all of my latest articles for Wrestling Inc., all latest podcasts, and just general thoughts that, you know, apparently don't jive with what nine year olds like, but they're what I like. So follow me on Twitter for that. AJ Awesome. He's going to be here on Thursday. What a diverse week this is. Next week, I already got interviews in the can for next week, too. It's going to be, you got, you got great audio ahead of you guys. Uh, thank you all very much for tuning in. I'm at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. And remember, if you winked, You didn't miss it. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.